Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Hello everybody, my name is AJ Witt from the ITAM Review. Welcome to this podcast. Uh, today we're going to be looking at the SAM managed services market. Um, there's a brand new magic quadrant uh, from Gartner for this market, the first one uh, for this market just released. Um, and we're joined today um, by uh, Ron Brill and Chris Johnson from Anglepoint. Uh, Anglepoint are featured in, in the Magic Quadrant. And what we're going to talk about today is what the Sound Managed Services market is, what it looks like, what you get from it, um, how to go and select a provider, um, what you should be considering um, to, to, to meet your business requirements and, and needs. Um, really how that market's also evolved over the last few years and got to the stage where there is now a magic quadrant for it and where it's going. Um, inevitably, be, this being 2020, I'm sure we'll touch on some current trends as well and how things have changed um, for the market this year. Joined today uh, by Ron Brill and Chris Johnson. Uh, they're from Anglepoint. Uh, if you'd like to introduce yourself, Ron, first. Um... Sure, thanks, uh... Uh, name is Ron Brill. I'm uh, president and chairman of Anglepoint. Uh, been with Anglepoint for uh, almost 10 years now. Um, uh, in addition to uh, my role at Anglepoint, I uh, chair the ISO committee for IT Asset Management Standards, also known as uh, Working Group 21, uh, that owns the 19770 family of standards. And I uh, also uh, serve as uh, vice chair at the uh, ITAM Forum, which is a global nonprofit uh, focused on uh, promoting the uh, IT asset management industry uh, through uh, certification, uh, evangelism, and uh, education. Thank you, Ron. It's, it's great to have you on. Yes, I mean, we've um, done plenty of work in, in the past, and in, in, uh, you and uh, Martin have crossed paths on many occasions in, in, in work for WG21 and uh, in, in other things, and also with the ITAM forum now. So it's uh, very good to have you on. Thank you. And, and Chris? Yeah, Chris Johnson, uh, Executive Vice President uh, with Anglepoint. Uh, in, in my role, I uh, operate as an uh, uh, executive subject matter expert, uh, helping uh, our uh, managed services clients uh, in particular um, uh, from a strategy standpoint, uh, as well as uh, you know, get, get fairly uh, involved in, in the delivery uh, from a service setup standpoint mm -hmm. um, and uh, delivery assurance. Great. Thank you, Chris. Good to have you along. Um, so, yeah, um, I mean, I really wanted to start out just for those who perhaps um, haven't really engaged with the Sam Managed Services Provider yet, and maybe maybe have some misconceptions about what one of these uh, providers actually is. I know when I um, was an ITAM manager, I kind of looked at it as thinking, well, there were kind of a few things like, well, they're going to take my job, or they're going to do all the fun stuff for me, and I'm going to be left with kind of the know the legwork oh they, they're just there to do an ELP for us all these sorts of things so could you define what you see a SAM managed service provider as doing and, and, and what the benefits are for a customer uh, yeah it's a good question um, you know 
Every organization has uh, different needs, of course, uh, and so the, the dynamics there, um, you know, are inevitably going to be different uh, depending on the organization's needs. But there are some common needs, of course, uh, that uh, do do cross cut uh, most organizations. And so the common denominator, I think, to a SAM managed service is bringing in uh, subject matter expertise that is not. Uh, economically viable to source within the organization itself. Um, so this is particularly true when it comes to uh, publisher specific licensing expertise. Yeah. Right? If an organization is wanting to uh, really count and count well their uh, um, uh, licensing estates for say their top 20 publishers, to, to do that uh, really effectively and accurately, th there's only so far that, that tools will, will enable you to, to uh, do that automatically, mm. all right? As good as tools uh, are and as they've become much better, uh, uh, there are certainly, you know, gaps and, and uh, areas at which uh, really only a subject matter expert uh, looking at uh, the data, analyzing the contract, uh, you know, uh, accounting for some of the gray area uh, in the contract interpretation that fall outside of what the uh, uh, you know what, what's coded into a tool can can typically handle mm. uh, you know that 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 depth of experience and expertise that uh, uh, you know it really has to be built up over a career and a lifetime focusing just on that publisher um, that's where even the largest organizations find that it's cost prohibitive to try and, and have that expertise in house for all of those publishers that they care about managing at that level. Yeah. And so that, that's, that's one of the pillars uh, of a, a good SAM managed service, right. Is, is having that depth and breadth of publisher specific licensing expertise. That's really impractical, impractical uh, mm -hmm. for, for even the largest organizations to, to source internally. And there's a number of reasons why it's impractical in fact, Ron and I just did a webinar on this topic uh, that, uh, you know, we, we go into detail on that, but uh, that, that's certainly one of those areas. Um, yeah, there's, there's a whole other areas of, of managed service that uh, are also, you know, uh, probably pillars of a managed service. Uh, uh, Ron, you want to, want to speak to uh, any of those? Uh, there's also, um, again, the level of uh, just uh, benchmarking that we're able to provide, um, you know, a person who uh, has experience across, you know, hundreds of clients is able to provide a different level of uh, perspective than uh, an internal resource who uh, is only familiar with the one client that they're working with. Um, so that's... Um, uh, certainly, uh, certainly there, um, as well as just from a, um, um, you know, process standpoint, uh, other skill sets, for example, integrating the software asset management function with, uh, the information security, cybersecurity efforts of the organization. Yeah. Um, so all, all those are, are, uh, areas of expertise that, uh, uh, I wouldn't say all, but most, uh, in-house SAM functions, um, currently lack uh, and that could be uh, provided by by a, a service provider uh, and, and another element as well as uh, which is emerging is um, around uh, external uh, benefits uh, for example um, 
uh, IBM's uh, ISP program, uh, the mm. uh, IBM Authorized SAM Provider Program, where if you're using one of the four providers uh, that are authorized by IBM, uh, of which AnglePoint is one, uh, then IBM will not audit you. Uh, and again, that that alone is uh, a significant benefit. Uh, and there are other commercial benefits that, that come with that. Uh, I believe that's uh, where the uh, industry is uh, is heading uh, as well with other publishers. Uh, yeah, publishers have uh, diminishing budgets with which to conduct audits. Audits are very expensive for them, and so they. Uh, need to decide whether they, uh, you know, they're going to audit customer A or customer B. They don't. They have no, not enough budget to audit both. And so, mm-hmm. if, if customer A is using a competent service provider, uh, well, the publisher knows it's not going to be the best use of their time and money to audit that one. Probably not going to be a whole lot of findings there. Let, let you know, better audit customer B instead. And that that's really going uh, to happen more and more. Um, as well as if the service provider has. Um, audit experience uh, amongst the ranks, um, people who are former auditors, whether on behalf of the, of the big four or the software publishers, um, that is a level of expertise that can save a lot of uh, time and money uh, during an audit. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think it is, um, it's, 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 it's a detailed topic for, for another day, um, ISP, but uh, IBM's initiative here is, is, is a great one because as we know, um, that they have historically been uh, very regular auditors um, of large organizations. Um, and it's a different approach, isn't it? It's it's a, more of a collaborative partnership approach. Um, it remains to be seen how successful it is. It hasn't been going for too long, but I, I know we've um, we've looked at it. And, and this, it feels to me, is that's how the relationship should be. It's kind of, well, we trust you because we know you've got the right processes in place. And we're not going to look into the detail here too much because we trust you. Uh, and that's fundamentally what a customer relationship should be about um, to me. Um, we're consuming their services and we're paying for what we use. That, that to me, it solves the fundamental problem that underlies software asset management, which is man- measuring consumption so that the contract is fair and equal on both sides. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking here about you know this this one pillar of, of publisher specific licensing expertise. I think it's it's probably good to mention a couple of other pillars of of uh, what a managed services provider uh, uh, brings to the table or should bring to the table. Um, another one is uh, you know partnership in the form of uh, helping drive change within the organization. So beyond just counting and counting well, um, there's also this element of really helping the SAM program uh, elevate its visibility within the organization. And that can take the form of, you know, helping uh, to really educate uh, a steering committee, form a steering committee, uh, make sure that the right governance uh, is in place with the right practices and education and so forth. And, you know, when it comes to processes, driving, you know, re-engineering processes uh, is, is not an easy thing. It's not a simple thing, which is why a lot of organizations don't do it, right? Uh, they're much more apt to run out and get a tool to try and, and uh, you know, uh, have technology somehow uh, overcompensate for, for poor processes. Uh, a managed service provider brings that experience having looked at uh, you know, hundreds of different customers, how they're doing, 
you know, software intake or, or the software request and approval process and can advise on, you know, where there's some process deficiencies, how this can be best uh, mitigated, how to drive uh, compliance with policies, uh, how to draft those policies, how to communicate those policies to, to affect the end user and programmatic behavior and so forth. So, you know, the organizational changes is as difficult as some of the technological changes that, uh, you know, from a remediation standpoint might be, uh, it's usually the organizational changes that are more difficult to uh, affect. And uh, a good managed services provider is going to partner with the organization to, to drive that change uh, in addition to just the, the rote counting, as it were. Yeah, and, and, and this is what I see. I mean, it's, it's been common for years for uh, an organization to uh, engage consultants to, to affect organizational change but technical change and organizational change are one and the same thing increasingly, increasingly aren't they? Because so much yeah. of what you're doing is defined by technology. Um, and this, to me, feels like that there's a great opportunity there for IT asset managers to get away from the, the churn of the day-to-day and become a lot more strategic and become a much more of a C-suite level partner. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah so, yeah, so so thank you, thank you. I mean, I, and, and probably that kind of takes us on a little bit to how the market has evolved for managed sound managed services over the last few years. Obviously, we've got to the stage now where Gartner have considered it uh, worthy of a magic quadrant, um, which is a significant milestone. You know, we, it's been three years now since we had the first um, SAM tools uh, magic quadrant, and that was big for the tools market. And it's great to see uh, this sort of uh, recognition, I suppose, of SAM managed services as well. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a coming of age moment, uh, uh, almost right. Uh, and and we we've you know certainly seen that that evolution uh, over the the past number of years. Um, you know, where more and more organizations were were looking to bring in outside help uh, from an ongoing basis and and really finding the benefits of that. So it's, it's only natural that, uh, you know, uh, an organization like uh, Gartner has, you know, invested in, in the research to try and give their, their readers, um, you know, a, a reference of, of how to sort through all of the different providers that are out there. There's, there's mm-hmm. certainly many, many, uh, but this is, a, you know, a, their commentary on kind of where the differentiation lies and, and how to look at differentiation and, you know, just as the Sam Tools MQ, uh, you know, it was as notable who was in which quadrant, right? Of course, everyone looks at that, but also notable is who's not even on the list, right? Uh, it really helps uh, someone kind of narrow down the field uh, so that, you know, regional players that might be big in one pond, right? Uh, you know, here's Gartner as a global organization saying, well, mm. you know, uh, there's a there's a minimum bar that uh, they've tried to evaluate to everyone against and you know there are some that meet that bar uh, and some that don't yeah and quite often those those things can be somewhat arbitrary but um it, it it's it's saying it's saying is that no the, the, these guys can provide these services worldwide which is important for i mean gartner's core uh membership or or, or customer base is generally the the, the, the the larger enterprises, so it makes sense for you know, finding the right level. I think, um, and this takes me on to my next point. Really, 
when I was trying to transact for sound managed services um, for a variety of projects I had, uh, I needed them for IBM and, and for Oracle in particular, I, I had no idea where to start, how to find the right provider. Um, it's not like you can kind of go and look at reviews almost of, uh, say, a particular tool or whatever. It's much easier to evaluate a tool, I think, than it is of a service. And I'm wondering, um, uh, obviously, as a managed service provider yourself, what you see is the kind of things that uh, a customer should be looking for. What what questions should they be asking you to get the right service? Yeah, there's a number of key factors that the organization would want to look at. I think probably the most important one is uh, uh, just reference clients. Um, where has the service been provided before? Because um, on paper, <clears throat> you know, one firm can look really great and they can say that they do a lot of things and that they do them very well. Um, but uh, there's no substitute to really the test of experience. Uh, what other clients have they provided similar services to? Uh, what was the experience of these clients um, being on their uh, receiving end of that service? Uh, and ideally over a period of years and so forth where you've uh, been able to see through a full life cycle uh, for the different publishers and so forth. Mm. Uh, there's really no substitute uh, to that. Um, another aspect there is, uh, of course, um, uh, external, other external recognition that the service provider is receiving in the marketplace from uh, Gartner, for example. So this would be a huge tool, I believe, for IT decision makers, uh, this MQ paper going forward. Mm. Um, but there are, other, um, uh, there are other things as well, for example, um, uh, recognition by publishers. You know, we mentioned the IASP program uh, by IBM uh, and so forth, I think is key. You want to um, make sure you uh, attend uh, you know, their public events, uh, conferences, uh, speaking opportunities where you can listen to some of the individuals, attend their webinars and so forth. Uh, to kind of get a feel for um, what that firm is about, their level of expertise um, and, and, and vision and, uh, and so forth. Um, so that, again, there's a number of, uh, number of different factors. I think the most uh, important one as well is uh, at the end of the day, you, um, you're going to evaluate their proposed solution and the quality of the team that they pose uh, for your engagement. And um, that, that plays a huge factor as well. Um, you want to look as well at, at the um, kind of the profile of the consultants that they hire. Are, are these people who uh, you mostly from a reseller background, mostly from uh, an end user background that have worked for end user organizations, uh, uh, mostly with, uh, with audit background or publisher background? Um, there's there's uh, quite quite a bit of difference in the approaches and the level of expertise and, and skills depending on the kind of typical profile of a consultant, you know, one service provider versus another. Yeah, um, which which is yeah. key. I would add, Ron, along with that, right? Uh, it's you want to make sure that uh, you're getting the resources that you think you're getting, right? Uh, so yeah. some providers might have great experienced people. But uh, and that that's who their pictures are in you know in their their responses uh, to an RFP. But you might not ever get any of those people's time, right? Because they're they're dedicated on other projects and things. So it's important to get really specific and particular about who's going to be providing the service and uh, 
who's going to be the day-to-day contacts so that uh, an organization, you know, doesn't fall victim to a bait and switch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would add as well, uh, perhaps uh, the uh, typical profile of clients that they have should, should match who you are as an end user organization, right? If they're uh, mostly serving the SMB market and you're a large enterprise, um, you, you may want to think twice. Um, it's not that they couldn't provide good service for an enterprise client, but uh, uh, they're very unlikely to be able to do that consistently over time. Um, and, and vice versa, uh, if, if, they're, if you're an SMB and uh, uh, you want to think whether you know, a service provider who's mostly serving the enterprise space would be the best fit for you as well. Yeah, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. It's it's something that is often overlooked. Um, is that you, you you do need to find that that balance with a with a service provider. I think you know that you have to feel comfortable with each other uh, as such. And um, yeah, that, that that's a big part of it. I think. Um, I mean, we won't get into the specifics of the names in the quadrant. Um, but what I've taken from it, quite interestingly, I think there's what is there just over a dozen maybe um, inclusions in total. But there's there's quite a mix of of different types of managed service providers. So there are pure play managed service providers. This is no, this is your day job. This is all you do. There are companies who are software resellers um, who have managed services arms. There are tool providers who do um, uh, managed services as well uh, alongside their tools. But first and foremost, there might be a tool provider. And also there are general consultancy firms here who are a big four consultancy uh, or would be equally engaged on some form of organizational transformation project for example so that's quite a you know these aren't all technologists um, in this quadrant there's, there's a broad mix um, if you have any comments around who else is here in terms of their focus and and uh, on, on software in particular I suppose mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you touched on the, uh, the general uh, kind of group that the, these providers fall under, uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, there are advantages and disadvantages to engaging each one of these types of service providers. Um, you know, for, you know, resellers, for example, will probably have in-depth uh, knowledge and experience with the uh, uh, licensing and, and pricing aspects of uh, the different publishers that they resell. Uh, and they may have more, uh, you know, perhaps uh, uh, inside information about uh, pricing and, and what, what other customers are paying versus what uh, you're paying and so forth. On the other hand, they have an inherent uh, conflict of interest. They make most of their money by selling you more software. Mm. Um, and, and, and so um, if that's going to be their recommendation, uh, you, will, you have to feel very comfortable with that provider and with that particular team that's providing that recommendation within that provider to know that uh, there's no uh, uh, other considerations uh, uh, or, or different influences on, on, on what their recommendations are. Uh, with, uh, with audit firms, uh, these firms are primarily focused on audits. That's their main business in this space. So uh, um, I know some of the uh, the big four, for example, they uh, they earn tens of millions of dollars every year uh, from a single publisher just doing audits for them. And in comparison to that, uh, you as an end user organization are, are, are quite uh, insignificant. Mm. Um, and uh, so you have to kind of evaluate that 
potential uh, conflict and so forth. Uh, also, software asset management has not necessarily been their main focus. Uh, it's been mostly focused on, on the audit side and so forth. Uh, that's kind of in the, the corporate DNA, if you will. And, uh, and I've worked for one of these firms in my, in my past, and uh, I'm well familiar with that. Um, on the other hand, they, uh, for the publishers that they do audit, they, they do have extensive experience. They know uh, how the publisher interprets the licensing and so forth. So they, they have a lot of good knowledge that, that comes with that audit role yep. they perform. Uh, but again, you have to kind of uh, balance uh, all the conflict of interest and so forth. Yeah, um, yeah. With with, with tool there on, uh, you also have to make sure that you know it, you would actually be getting that expertise because usually there's separate teams uh, uh, that uh, you know work on the managed services side versus the audit side. So um, yeah, yeah, you might be looking to gain from that expertise that they do have, but it may not be available to you uh, as a managed service. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, with with the uh, just, just to complete the picture, just you know, with the tool vendors, um, obviously they'll uh, uh, they'll be very familiar with their own tool and be able to. You get kind of a more of an end-to-end uh, responsibility there for the success of the tool implementation. Um, however, there are other challenges that come with that as well that you need to uh, balance out. Uh, right? It's um, you, you know that their answer to any uh, business need that you're going to have is going to be their tool, right? So if uh, uh, instead of going to uh, uh, like a general practitioner doctor to get to get uh, you know the right medicine for you in a particular case, you go to a company that makes only one type of medicine. Well, you know that that's the one they recommend, right? If yeah, you're holding a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So <laughs> um, you, you kind of know you, what what you're going to get, and so. Um, as well as you have to kind of question the publisher specific expertise in, in different areas and so forth. So there, there are different, um, I would say, the, you know, advantages and disadvantages with each each of the types of service providers and uh, organization will need to kind of balance those as well as uh, really, as, as Chris mentioned, uh, at the end of the day, also get comfortable with a specific team that's mm-hmm. going to serve them. I, I, I think that's a very good point. I, you know, there are, this this magic quadrant is... Uh, based on Gartner's criteria, which is necessarily quite general, um, to so there are there will be many players who aren't in this quadrant who are experts in a particular field who are very closely focused on say Oracle licensing or SAP licensing, um, that sort of thing. Maybe IBM even, and so. It depends on what you're looking for. I, the first transaction I did for a SAM managed service provider was for IBM to get um, ILMT installed, configured, and running properly, which is, uh, if you've ever done it, it's an utterly pointless job for an in-house SAM person to do because you're only ever going to do it once and you're not going to get it done right the first time because even the consultants don't get it done first time, in my experience. Um, very complex tool to implement. Why would you bother building that knowledge and spending those days and hours and weeks of time um, building that knowledge when you can just go and transact for that? And it's exactly what I did. I came from the IBM technical world, so I actually had good IBM technical services partners uh, on my list. I could just go, well, they can install IBM software. And that's exactly what I did. It wasn't even a SAM-specific service provider. It was um, a general IBM business partner that did that install for us. Um, and it would be the same for, for other niche software, maybe for engineering software, for example, um, and certainly, yes, for SAP and Oracle, as well as having 
the general firms, um, managed service providers such as Anglepoint and the others uh, here. So it's about thinking about, like any other decision, it's about thinking about what do you need out of this relationship? Um, what's the scope to grow, I guess, as well would, 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 would be another one that's important uh, here. With that in mind, I'm wondering, um, can we talk a little bit about where you see the market going in the future? Obviously, we've got we've got to a point where, hey, yes, we've got this kind of validation from Gartner, um, which is really important. Where do you think it's going next? Yeah, um, I think we're definitely going to see more and more uh, organizations opting to use a managed service provider. And this really is part of a, a general kind of trend in the uh, in technology, uh, which is, uh, you know, X as a service, everything as a service, mm -hmm. uh, kind of the realization that, uh, you know, uh, maybe organizations should focus on their core competencies and that doing everything in-house is not necessarily always the right uh, decision. So uh, I think it's kind of a, a, a mindset uh, shift that's kind of occurring as well, uh, CIOs are getting more comfortable with uh, using outside service providers uh, and consuming um, everything as a service mm. uh, versus having to, to do that in-house. So that's gonna continue. Uh, I think the uh, growing realization is the more and more companies who uh, use a managed service provider for SAM and are highly successful doing so will kind of continue to drive um, kind of that momentum uh, in the industry, I think we've kind of already reached that kind of critical mass, uh, if you will, you know, with this uh, in this Gartner MQ uh, inaugural uh, edition of this Gartner MQ uh, paper kind of is evidence of that. And that's going to continue to, to to snowball from that perspective. I think also the kind of increasing uh, rate of change uh, from a technological standpoint, uh, digital transformation and so forth, uh, even you know, with, um, with COVID requires uh, an increasing rate of new knowledge to, uh, to be applied in order to uh, do software asset management correctly. Um, you know, there's uh, new technologies, new platforms, hybrid environments, um, SaaS, uh, and, and the increasing rate of uh, these types of uh, changes and evolutions uh, makes it less and less uh, economical and practical to to try to keep up with all of that in-house. Um, so I think that's contributing as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's, there's a number of different factors, but we we absolutely uh, see this uh, happen. I think uh, in the MQ paper, Gartner, uh, I, I believe they predicted the market is going to grow by about 20% uh, year over year for the next few years. I think in our experience, uh, the, the rate is, is quite a bit uh higher than that, um, it's just the number of um, RFPs were being invited to, even before the SMQ paper came out, is just, uh, you know, in the last year was uh, uh, much, much higher than the year before, which was much, much higher than the year before that and so forth. So we, we see this accelerating just from, from our own perspective. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Is, that, is that being driven um, because, I think historically we, we would have engaged a, a, a managed service provider perhaps for a specific piece of work like a software compliance audit um, or maybe a tech refresh, for example, um, or maybe just generating that kind of 
those kind of low level tasks like ELPs and and things. Is it being what what is driven? Is it being driven by cloud? Is is, is that the main focus at the moment? Yeah, I, I would say that uh, more is being asked of the SAM manager uh, role in general, right? And if you think about all of the coordination and communication that that role um, requires, right, internally with a steering committee, with other stakeholders, driving remediation plans and follow-up, right? Uh, There's so much that uh, when SAM and ITAM in general is done correctly within an organization, there's there's a lot of activity and effort uh, that in, you know, uh, internal resources um, need to be busy with. And so some of these other things that uh, are, are more suited for an outside provider, getting external expertise, getting help, driving process change, and so forth, uh, is, a, is, a, is a necessary um, thing, right, for them just to be able to do the things well that only internal resources can do well and, and, and let the things that external resources can, can, can do and, and, and perhaps uh, do it in an enhanced way uh, to that, that model, uh, I think, is a, is a natural evolution to the evolution of, of uh, the ITAM manager and, and SAM manager role in general. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so just exploring that a little bit further, um, maybe a slightly left field question. What, what sort of stuff would you say to a, to a prospective customer, I don't think we should be doing that for you, you should be doing that in-house? I mean, you, do you get into conversations about scoping out what's in-house, what's with you? Uh, or, or you know what's outsourced, even that sort of thing. Are there things that are just always really best done in house? Uh, for sure, yeah. Um, driving remediation. So uh, you know, typically we, we see uh, our role is doing the, the counting, the counting well. Uh, you know, drafting uh, reports to communicate the so what of the deliverables, provide the options for you know to, to remediate or to to, to save cost. Um, but there's only so much uh, that an outside party can do to, to drive those internal conversations um, to, to uh, affect that change, right? We're, we're right there along with the SAM manager. But if the SAM manager wasn't playing that role and it was just an external party trying to push that rock up the hill, uh, it, it would be of, of limited effect. Uh, similarly with uh, coordinating the efforts and communication with uh, a steering committee, um, you know, again, in our, in our role, trying to, to help drive process change, educate that steering committee, you know, uh, pr- preparing materials for them to vote on and so forth. Mm. Uh, if it's purely an outside party uh, that is doing that, uh, it's going to be have less effect than when we are locking arms with the internal uh, SAM manager um, to, uh, to, 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 to drive those conversations, right? Mm. Someone that's on the inside, understands the the political dynamics, is able to have you know the separate sidebar conversations with with steering committee members and so forth. It's a, it's a, it's a vital internal role. Yeah, so I mean that sounds very much like a partnership, and also gives the ability for the internal SAM manager to really elevate their role because yeah they're they're, they're getting out of the weeds. They're, they're getting out of the um their hands aren't getting quite so dirty, um, I suppose in in getting into all the detail and really becoming more of a governance role, which is something that we're really heavily pushing um, at the ITAM review, um, ITAM and SAM managers becoming governance. Yeah, uh, it's a natural specialization of labor, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, the, the most important role of the, the in-house uh, manager of that SAM or ITAM function is really stakeholder management. It's uh, communicating the value that SAM brings to the organization. So, um, you know, the cost savings and all the other aspects of the value is uh, coordinating expectations um, and, and so forth. And that is really what they should be focused on. It's not the... Uh, uh, the day-to-day counting and so forth, and they can. Uh, I think if, if you if you structure it correctly, it could be extremely effective, as as we we're seeing with uh, many of our uh, clients, where uh, you know the uh, there's absolutely a need for that internal um, level of of management, uh, as Chris had mentioned, um, and again, kind of that division of labor uh, could be structured very effectively. Great, yeah, thank you. I I, I think that's. Um... I think that's pretty key. As for, for me, as a former manager, an IT asset manager, it was I, I don't want you to uh, to take my job. But actually, I did find it to be a very um, mutually beneficial um, uh, process. I, you know, I, it, you, you do become a bit more of a service manager. You, you know, you, do, you need to make sure that you're driving value from your managed service provider, and that comes down to building that partnership and also having a good service level agreement in place um, with these things up front. But um, ultimately, I think it is a win-win. Um, you get a vast amount of expertise um, brought to bear, and to a certain extent, maybe you'll get a little bit of um, outside validation of your own thoughts. I think that that can sometimes be important. Um, I certainly found that trying to push through some quite big um, infrastructure changes. Uh, I needed someone else to say, yes, AJ knows what he's talking about here. You should do this. Um, so... There are many roles there to play, and I, I think I think it can only be a positive thing for for Sam teams moving forward to really kind of push up the um, up up the seniority level, really, uh, which is good to see. So, yeah, you, you I, I mentioned that, you mentioned SLAs there. Uh, yeah. You know, of course, there's a need for 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 SLAs, and you know, to, to manage the expectations of, of a service provider. Just uh, an insight into kind of our thinking is. Our, our internal SLA that, that drives our uh, interactions and, and uh, commitment with a client is, is the person, is that SAM manager, that, that, that person in that role that we just discussed, are they, are they successful in that role? Are they personally able to meet their commitments, right? And, and what they're measured on. We, we try and get that level of transparency, right? Because if it's just, Oh, this is a service provider. Let's have SLAs that they have to meet. We're going to calculate, and you know, and, and all of those things are good and necessary. But it 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 puts uh, you you know it puts the managed service provider in a box, right? To just come in and cut the grass, right, uh, from week to week. Where we really try and drive that partnership of how can we make the program successful? How can we make the individuals that are driving the program successful? What are they measured on and how do we influence that? So it goes well beyond just the calculation of response times and things like this. Uh, we, we, we take that ownership internally of, of how we're going to make the program successful and the individuals uh, that are part of it successful. Right. Yeah, I see. I, that's, that's really important because one of the challenges can be, I think, aligning the, aligning the objectives of the managed service provider with your own and that's that's a refreshing approach to it thinking well what's driving what what are the objectives of my client 
and those are our objectives that, that that's the best way because you know you don't need to have detailed business knowledge about what the plans are for that organization but you know what's motivating the relationship and and, and, and the engagement and, and just make sure you're delivering against those so yeah, yeah I, that's a, it's a good approach i see that um i'm conscious that we uh we are we've been talking for quite a while so we should probably um bring this to a close um just in closing um I know um, you have the Magic Quadrant available on your website. We'll include a link um, to that uh, for anyone who wants to see the Magic Quadrant and, and download it and, and have a look at it in detail. Um, Angle Point have a complimentary copy of that available for you. Um, go along, go ahead and read that. And it, I think it really it's a very good document to read, even if you're not looking for a sound managed services provider right now. It gives you an idea of what you should be looking for, um, and really can help inform your thinking around uh, how do I go about transacting with with uh, a managed service provider no matter what the size they are really so uh, well worth a read um, thank you Ron thank you Chris uh, it's, it's a really good um, tour of managed services as they are now and kind of where the market's going so um, thank you for that yeah our pleasure thank you Reggie. thanks <laughs>